all my life I've been, I guess, weighed down. Maybe I had the, the weight of filling my father's shoes. He's a great man of God with such wisdom and anointing. And I remember the Sunday morning. It was, it was a Sunday a couple of weeks ago. And I woke up and I had my worship music playing. And I was just in my room talking to God, getting dressed for the day. I told the Lord, you know, God, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to wait any longer. I, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to fill my father's shoes. I'm going to walk in them. So it was that morning with that commitment that I put on my suit, put on my tie. I put my shoulders back and I walked right into his closet. Looked up into those brand new pair of Magnani shoes and the, woo, put those things on. It was, hey, and from that moment on, I've been walking in his shoes ever since. I'll tell you that. Yes, sir. Ever since I've been walking in those shoes, my shoe game has had the best year of its life. If he's watching tonight, I'll just keep my shoes covered by the pulpit. Today, I give honor to all the leaders of this house, but I give honor to the people today. 20 years ago, my my parents were scrambling because their second child had just been born and bouncing off the walls. And they had a dream that one day this little church in Terre Haute would be blessed by God and see revival. If they could have seen back then where we are today, I don't think that they would have said the famous line of, we never would have thought. I think we as a church are people of big dreams and aspirations. And when God gives us a vision, it's almost as if it's already done. And it would be wrong of me to stand before you today and not let you know how thankful I am to be a part of this body. How thankful I am to have each and every one of you in my life. How thankful I am for the blessings that God has given us. The Bible says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. And we serve a good God. And he will never be anything else but good. Amen. Amen. I'm reading from the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'll begin with verse number 15. Amen. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm thankful for the word of God that we heard this morning with the help of the Lord. I'm speaking in that same vein tonight. And I preach, praise him, praise him. With your Bibles down behind you, would you lift your hands and lift your voice unto God tonight? Lord, we come before you today. So thankful to be in your presence, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as the word goes forth, I'm praying for open hearts and open ears to hear your word and to receive your word, God. We thank you for what you've done in this place. We exalt your name. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I thank you for standing. Thank you, Eric. Scripture says that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat in the beginning of his reign because he walked in the ways of his father David and sought not after the ways of Balaam but 
rather the Lord, seeking after his commandments. So God established the kingdom of Judah in his hands. And in return, Jehoshaphat sought counsel from the Lord. The hand of God is upon Jehoshaphat early in his leadership. God is with him in his obedience. And even when he is out of the will of God, the Lord still protects him. It's an interesting relationship that I've been studying, seeking for the reason behind God's grace. But I guess that's what his grace is, incomprehensible. We read of the constant rise and fall of this king, one day doing good and the next falling into the hands of the enemy. But nevertheless, God stands with him, protects him. As we walk through the life of Jehoshaphat, it's this chapter, chapter 20, that he might just be at the climax of his spiritual walk with God. The fourth king of Judah, the mighty man of battle, the bold follower of Christ has come to his understanding of his necessity for God. This is where we find the faithful and powerful king Jehoshaphat. He has protected his land and educated his people. And it almost seems as though they were finally in that moment of peace that Judah needed. They had finally reached that connection with God. They were focused on the right things and living the right life. But it's somewhere in the midst of that progress and somewhere in the midst of that growth that the surrounding cities, which had been held off for many years without concern, They unite in battle against the king and his people. And I'll read it to you from the opening verses of chapter 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of the sides here. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. The text opens with these words. It came to pass after this. After great blessing and breakthrough and progression, Jehoshaphat is now faced with this uncalled for battle. Often we find that after great blessing comes trial. It was so in the case of Abraham, God gave him the promise and then called him, called him to offer up his son Isaac. Israel was brought out of Egypt, then confronted by the Red Sea. It was after Jesus had been baptized and the heavens opened that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. John would tell us that every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Blessings are great until the purging comes, and it will come. God is always looking for fruit, for more fruit from his people. Trials might just be the purging you need for more growth to come. And it was so in the case of Jehoshaphat. What seemed to be a peaceful time in Judah is now shaken by this unnerving report. There is no time for Jehoshaphat to prepare anymore. Battle has been declared. And it's at the hearing of this that he does two things. I read it to you. He proclaimed a fast throughout all the land. And he gathered them together to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat is in harmony with the Lord. His response at the time of need was to get closer to God and to seek his instruction. What do you do when there's no time for counsel? No manifestation of Christ, no vision, no plan, no no way of escape. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Time is pressing. You gather your family together and you pray because prayer is the only way out. And I need that instinct in my life. It was a reflex The enemy is coming. Let us pray and fast. 
Jehoshaphat understood something then that he did not understand just two chapters prior. His rightful actions were born out of his experience with the wrong ones. His absence of military power in chapter 20 is because of his arrogance in chapter 18. And I'll read it from the opening verse of that chapter. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joint affinity with Ahab. He had riches, honor, and abundance. But he makes a fleshly decision to join alliance with Ahab, a king not of God. Ahab coaxes Jehoshaphat into fighting a battle with him. Jehoshaphat is in a bad business deal. He obviously has not weighed the cost and more importantly was distracted from the order of God. Jehoshaphat has forgotten that his great army and abundance and wealth had nothing to do with him, but it was the Lord's. But in his arrogance, he flexes his mightiness to another king and agrees to help him in war. And what he thought was a great army was slain before his eyes. It's the moment that we take the blessings of God and call them our own that he will rip them from our fingers. It's the moment that we credit the hands of the people and not the God of the house that he will take everything from us. So be careful and be vigilant. The Lord deserves all the glory. And in this house, we will give him all the glory. Hallelujah. And it's because Jehoshaphat goes into fighting a battle that is not his own. That he loses the army he needed when the enemy came against him and his house. And here's what God has spoke to me. You can't fight every battle. Things are going to come against you and your kids and your home and your career. And you have to have something left to fight with. So don't spend your resources, your emotions, your time, and your energy fighting battles that are not yours to fight in the first place. Jehoshaphat loses his army and almost his life. But God steps in to protect him. And it's because of his experience with fighting a battle without God on his side that he had such clarity when the next battle manifested. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. He knows the importance of having God on his side. The enemy is headed towards Judah. And Jehoshaphat, the king, is not hesitant to go before the Lord. And so it's this that leads us to the actual prayer of Jehoshaphat. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they were repaying us? They come and drive us out of our possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. His prayer does not begin with desperation, but rather with faith and exaltation. God, you are mighty. You are the God of heaven and earth. Power is in your hand. Who can withstand you? 
At the very opening of his prayer, it's not about the size of his problem or his child, but it's about how great God is and how powerful he is. And although he's telling the Lord this, it's not because the Lord is unaware of his own might and authority. No, Jehoshaphat was building his own faith in his proclamation. It's the power of the spoken word. There's just something about proclaiming who God is. His prayer continues. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before? Haven't you already fought this battle and won? Lord, you've done it before. You can do it again. Let me tell you something about my God. Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing you will go through that my God has not already won. No situation he is unaware of. He is overqualified for every battle that you could ever put in his hands. And I've got good news for you today, church. My God has never lost a battle. There is no valley that he cannot reach into the depths of to bring you out. And as far as the mountain is concerned, he might climb it or he might just move it because he is God. He said that he is the I am of the I am. Meaning that in your time of need, he fills the void. And sometimes in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your struggle, you've got to lift up your head and proclaim who God is. Jehoshaphat, he had no battle plan, no army, no comfort. But there was peace in his proclamation. I know a God. I know a God. Is there anybody in this house tonight that can say, I don't know how to get out of my situation. I don't know where the Lord is taking me. I don't know where my sons or daughters are, but I know a God. I know a God. Look now with me to the closing of his prayer. Jehoshaphat says these words, which I love. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Reveals the humility of Jehoshaphat, the once powerful king of Judah that nations were afraid of invading, the man with the army of armies. The once powerful king is now looking to God and he tells the Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you. Don't assume that the Lord knows that you need him. Look up to the heavens. And tell the Lord, my eyes are on you. I need you. Jehoshaphat's prayer is structured. Exaltation, reflection, petition. Exaltation, reflection, and petition. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. At the conclusion of the prayer, something happens. Because prayers are heard. What some overlook as just another scripture adding to the context of the story is actually the confirmation of Jehoshaphat's prayer. And I can just imagine the cities gathered gathered together, praying to God. They know that if the Lord does not come, then they will all surely die and their land will be overcome. While Jehoshaphat's prayer is one of faith, it's also a prayer of urgency. The enemy is encroaching. Fear is overwhelming and hope seems to be fleeting. But in the middle of all the chaos, concern and fear, Jehazel, a man of God, stands. Jehoshaphat, the leader of the people, had just finished his prayer and all the people are gathered around and at the sound of the amen, here comes Jehazel. I've got a word. 
I've got something to say. Here is Jehazel. And he said, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And now King Jehoshaphat, hear me now. Thus saith the Lord, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Scripture describes our God as both the lion and the lamb. It's another dual nature of our Lord. For many of us, the image of God as the lamb holds a special place. It's a comforting portrayal that evokes feelings of love and redemption. This aspect of God's nature reminds us of Jesus, the lamb of God, who took on the wages of this world through death in order to offer us redemption and salvation. The lamb allows us to approach the divine with childlike trust and understanding of God's compassion and love. However, amid the adoration of the lamb, it is essential not to overlook the vital aspect of God's other nature, the lion. You see, the lion is the strength, power. It's the authority. My God, although he died for my sins, is a lion. He is fierce in battle and mighty. Isaiah said, the Lord will go forth as a warrior. We serve a mighty God. David asked, who is this king of glory? And then he answers his own thought with these words. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We serve a mighty God. The book of Zephaniah says, the Lord your God is in the, is in the midst. A victorious warrior. We serve a mighty God. He's the God that spoke the earth into existence out of nothing and commanded darkness to flee from the light. We serve a mighty God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about how we serve a mighty God. And you think that the devil has you pinned, overwhelmed with concern for your children, worried about your future, fearing for your health. But I stand here today to say that though the enemy is coming against you and your family, don't be afraid because the Lord is on your side. We serve a God who is mighty in battle. And in the depths of your adversity, we shall, we shall find our strength. Courage will rise. Resilience will prevail. And faith will conquer. Because there is, a, there is no devil in hell that can withstand the power of the God that is fighting our battles. I said there is no devil in hell that can withstand the God that is fighting our battles. If you believe that, would you clap your hands and make a joyful noise unto the king? He's fighting your battles. Hallelujah. Oh, we lift you up, God. You're fighting our battles. Hallelujah. 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 in my spirit to fight. I'm overly competitive. I'm independent. But there are some battles that I cannot fight alone. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to fight the enemy I want you to hate the corruptness of this world, but if you try to fight the battles of this world that are inevitably going to be sent your way without God, you'll lose your army just like Jehoshaphat. 
There's got to be a Jehazel in the house that stands up and says, don't be afraid because God is on our side. Jehazel continues with the word from the Lord. Tomorrow go ye down against them and behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Judah does not need to fight the battle, but they do need to go up against the enemy. They do need to stand firm, and they do need to watch God work. So the king obeys. They rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. He's saying, I know we are about to go up against this great army. I know that if God is not with us, then we will all surely die. I know that we don't stand a chance. But believe in the Lord your God. Believe in the prophets. Remember when the man of God stood up and said that the Lord is on our side. Remember when he said God is going to fight this battle for us. Remember him. Trust in him. Some of you have had battles that you needed God to fight. But you didn't put your trust in him. You need... You had a need, but you forgot the man of God who stood up and said, God is going to bring you out. So don't forget me when I say that God is going to deliver you. God is going to bring you out. Don't forget the word that was spoken when I say, God is going to rescue you from every situation. He's going to open every door. He's going to deliver you from every need. Don't forget. As the musicians come, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21, the story continues. And when he had consulted with the people, He appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercies endureth forever. So here comes Judah into battle. Weak, shallow, unintimidating. But here they come. Here they come anyway, singing praises unto God. Dancing before the Lord, worshiping the Savior. Unaware and unsure of what their victory looks like, they know I'm going to praise him. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise him because he's good. Praise him because he's worthy. Praise him because he's mighty. Praise him. And they begin to go into battle. They don't know what they're doing. They are, all they know is that the Lord is on their side and they've just got to praise him. And here's the next verse. And when they began to sing and to praise, when they began to dance, when they began to to dance and jump and shout, when they began to lift their voice and sing to the Lord, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which had come against them in Judah, and they were smitten. When they began to sing and to praise, God came in and wiped out the enemy. Why is he running like that? Isn't he sick? Why is she dancing like that? Are her children lost? Why are they shouting like that? Hasn't the enemy come up against them? 
Well, let me tell you something, church. In the midst of your praise, God is going to start fighting your battles. He's going to take care of every need. He's going to open every door. He's going to bring back every lost loved one. He's going to fight the battle in the midst of your praise. And I will end with this. Life is full of battles, but our praise cannot be dependent upon our desperation. We must be a people of praise. Scripture says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But I've come to tell the people, don't be afraid or dismayed. Because in the midst of your praise, God is setting ambushments against the enemy. coming against you are being fought because you came to church one Sunday evening and heard the word of the Lord and you began to praise the almighty king don't drown in fear weeping and mourning have their place in time but tonight we lift up a joyful praise because God is fighting our battles he's a victorious warrior so I say if you need a healing for your body praise him If you need a deliverance in your life, praise him. If you need salvation, praise him. If you need redemption, praise him. If you need restoration, praise him. If you need blessing, praise him. If the Lord has ever been good to you, if you serve a good God, I stand here today to say, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. In the midst of your praise, he's going to deliver you from every situation, every need. He's bringing you back. He's bringing back your loved ones. He's restoring your healing you. So I lift up my hands today and I say, let all the people praise him. with a joyful praise unto the king I say I praise you father I thank you father I praise you I lift your name I exalt you because you're fighting my battles in the midst of my exaltation in the midst of my adoration in the midst of my praise you're fighting my battles yes
Come on, let's lift up our hands and give him praise right now. Jesus, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. There's no one like you. No one worthy as you are. No one mighty as you are. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. This morning, Brother Robinson referenced this scripture from Genesis 49. It was a messianic prophecy upon the lineage of Judah. And the Lord said that the scepter would not depart until the coming of Shiloh. That was a Hebrew term that meant the Messiah. What he was saying is there's a power, there's a might, there's a dominion that I'm putting on the people of Judah that has a a preservation power. It's going to preserve things until the time that the Messiah comes. Now this is significant because that prophecy was given thousands of years before the Messiah actually came. So this is what God was saying. If you're waiting for something and you're tired and you're wondering, you're worn out, if you've got questions or you're battling, the place He put the power to preserve you and your promise was in the lineage of Judah. That's why when Joseph's brothers were about to kill him in the middle of a desert, Judah spoke up. That's why when Judah wasn't going to, or Joseph wasn't going to release the harvest and Jacob wasn't going to let Benjamin go, who spoke up? Judah. And when they're standing before Joseph and Joseph says, well, I think I'm just going to take Benjamin and put him in jail. Who spoke up? Judah. And when they finally crossed that body of water into the land, God talked to Moses about, you know who went first? Judah. You know who got their, their plot of land first? Judah. You know who got the biggest piece of land? Judah. And so let me just tell you, if you're in the waiting tonight, if you feel like God gave you a promise last year or 10 years ago or last Sunday, or you walked in here tired and worn out and you've got questions, God's been talking to us today about how we preserve ourselves and how we enter into the promise. It's called praise. Now, here's what we're going to do. If you're here and you need a touch from God, or you're just waiting, you've got this promise that you've just been hanging on to, and you're just waiting, this is your opportunity. I want you to step out of your seat and press your way into this altar right now. The preacher, he's already said it. It could be a miracle in your mind, your body, a family situation. But if you're waiting for God to do something, this is your opportunity. Now, I've got to tell you, this is where a lot of times we miss what God has. Because we wait until it happens to praise. Because we sometimes think praise is our response to what God does. When it should be a response to who God is. And when you have that little shift of perspective, you don't wait till the miracle comes to start praising You don't wait for the situation to change. Because the fact is, He's just as good with sickness in your body as He is when you're healed. And when you have a change of thinking, 
and you say, you know what, I'm just going to praise him right where I am. He already read the scripture. The Bible said they appointed singers. Now, I know Pastor Zach and Sister Lacey, they're going to make you audition. And you may never get a microphone up here. But the Bible says they appointed singers. Because you're not qualified to do this based on your skill. You just have to believe in God's goodness. And the Bible says when they began to sing, they didn't have to get through the first course. They didn't have to finish the verse. The moment they opened their mouth with purpose and intention to declare God's goodness. Now, the battle hadn't yet been won. They were still staring their enemy in the eye. And the fact is, they didn't have swords and spears. But that's what they were looking at. But the moment they began to sing, the Scripture says the Lord sent ambushments against them. Come on, you're not fighting by yourself. But you're going to have to choose to praise Him in this moment. Before the miracle happens, before the circumstance changes, you're going to have to praise Him now for who He is. You can't just wait for Him to do it. So would you lift up your hands? Lift up your voice. Come on, from the bottom of your heart. A sacrifice of praise. Come on, you don't have to ask Him for it. We're not begging. We're thanking Him. Because He's always good. And He always has all power. And He always knows what's best. Come on, I see the Holy Ghost falling on some people right now. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. You're not fighting it by yourself. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough money. You're not strong enough. But if you just open up your mouth and offer the Lord a sacrifice of praise, you'd find out you're not fighting by your own power. You're not standing on that battlefield all by yourself. God is with you. God is fighting for you. Come on, I know the story hasn't changed yet. I know you're still in the trial. You're still facing trouble. But if you just lift up your voice, if you just move your feet, because God is good, then the circumstance would change.
would you just press for a moment? The Spirit of the Lord is ministering to individuals right now. There's deliverance in these altars. There's healing in this house. The Holy Ghost is being poured out. God's touching. He's working. He's transforming lives. Glory and honor belongs to you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't ever want us to forget how good we have it. I told this story in St. Louis the week before last, but when we left to, to start the church in Halifax, we left a church of 350 people. And the next week, we were sitting in a living room with four people. It wasn't long after that that Carson was born. He was the first kid born in, in that church plant. 
And I remember sitting him in his car seat on the front row of that little conference room. And in my mind thinking, will he know what it's like to be in an apostolic church service? Because what I have become so accustomed to with 350 people every Sunday was not what that church plant looked like in its infancy. And I would battle in my mind. Little by little, just baby steps, you know, you get to the point where people who don't know anything about Pentecost, they think you're crazy because you lift your hands, but then they lift their hands. Then they think you're crazy because you speak in tongues, but then they speak in tongues. Little by little, the culture started being formed. But I'll never forget in May of 2016 when God gave us a $1.7 million building. We didn't pay for it. It was given to us. We walked in. It was, it was ugly as could be. Dusty rose pews, white carpet. The drywall was terrible. But when you've sat in a living room with four people, and when you've grinded it out, hauling stuff out of a storage facility and setting up in a hotel conference room for week after week and year after year, you don't really care what the building looks like. And it had been a long time since I had been in a service where they had did what, what we called Jericho's. So on that first Sunday in that building in May of 2016, preaching was done and we were in the altar service and I got up and took the mic and I said, look, we're going to do something today and you might think this is really crazy because half the people in that room are brand new to Pentecost. But I had battled in my mind long enough and wondered, would they ever know what it was like? That when God brought us to the place where we had a little bit of land and a little bit of space, I didn't want to forget where God brought me from. New life, I got to tell you tonight in the Holy Ghost, one of the greatest dangers among us right now is that we would get comfortable with where we are and where we're going, and we would forget where we've come from. This, I don't know if you've noticed it. I'm on the road a little bit the past few weeks, but, but pastor's been up here like a man on fire. It ain't very often he takes his suit coat off in the pulpit. So if he takes it off, that's warning number one. Warning number two is when he falls prostrate on the platform because he don't often walk out of the pulpit. telling you the Lord's trying to flow something into this body I wonder right now without without the singers without the instruments without without the the lyrics on the screen from your own heart I want you to think about where you came from right now I want you to think about where your family came from I want you to think back over your story in this church and where God has brought this amazing congregation from. And from that place, I want you to begin to give God praise right now. Come on, you might have to move your feet a little bit. You might have to jump up and down, but I'm telling you, he's been good. 
He's been faithful. Come on, in the face of heartache, in lies and deception, in lawsuits and struggles, God's been with us. He's been faithful. He's brought us here, and he's going to take us in. But it's going to take a people that are determined to praise. Not from the place of convenience, but remembering and bringing a sacrifice. Hallelujah! Come on, it's only 719. You can take a minute here and just press into this. Are you tired of battling every Monday afternoon? Are you tired of getting to Thursday morning and feel like you lost your victory? Well, you're going to have to change something tonight. What comes from your mouth right now can loose the ambushments that change what you've been battling every Monday for the past three years. What you do right now can move ahead into the future, and it can change your Tuesday afternoon. It can change your Friday morning because you're not fighting by yourself. You don't stand on the field all alone. There's a great company of hosts with you. The angels of God are with you. The Lord Jesus himself is with you. Come on, he's travailing for somebody here. He's feeling the burden of the Lord for somebody in this house. Come on, you weren't moved yet, so God moved on a man with a burden to try to move you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
Isata, Sonorikiato, Isata, Uribanaye, Olomo, Iata, Aye, Alamaha, Sono Ikata, Ikiana Hasuto Kiata, Hasahakiata, Utata, Rebe, Isahakata, Utiata, Yeko Satan, Dorobotonga. Aeka isioku shana ha yeka ye Aye anaha esha ha eke kumaha ye Aeka ha ye sukute rebe ye anaha Ande shino yosha ha ye Hate ye kiyokuri ate ye Kunorobo shioko no iki ana ye Ah, Mm. Ah, <laughs> Ah, ye Ah, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We've received that word. Now would you just thank him for it? Thank you for the word, God. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for the supernatural demonstration. Thank you, Jesus. 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 It's easy in an atmosphere like this to believe, to receive, to move with God. The danger is when we walk out that door. An angel rolled back a tomb from the stone. The spirit raised his lifeless body back to life. And he comes and starts walking aside a couple people walking down that road and asks them this question. What manner of conversation is this that you talk and are sad? And I'm sure they looked at him with, with, with disbelief. Did you not just see what happened? Did, did you not just see how he was crucified? Did you not see how they put his body in the tomb and now somebody has come and taken it? Do you have any idea the grief and the hopelessness we feel? fact is he hadn't yet revealed himself to them but there they stood in the very presence of glory but they were walking away from the cross away from an empty tomb 
and on their journey home the grief and the pain that they had lived through that they had experienced started to manipulate their conversation and they're looking at Jesus like well don't you understand how sad we are don't you know how how difficult life has been when the fact was his body hadn't been stolen it had been resurrected the point is is when you encounter resurrected glory it needs to change your conversation and I've got to tell you everything God has said today everything God has been saying for several weeks everything that was just attached to us and everything we feel and have received right now we can lose it if we don't let it change our conversation words are the weapon of the spirit and the mind is the battleground God help us to bring this into subjection into alignment with what you have said with what you have spoken I pray father that you would go with us I pray the spirit of the living God would govern the conversation of every car ride home when we walk through the door and set foot into our kitchens and living rooms and we lay our head to rest God I'm asking you bring our words into alignment with what the spirit has said God, you've spoken to us so clearly that you're looking for a people that will pursue you and your image and your holiness. God, let it be us. If anything can be said of us, let it be that that we gave ourselves to the pursuit of your pure and undefiled glory. Help us now, I pray. In Jesus' name. One more time, would you just lift your hands and would you thank Him? Come on. He's opened up deep wells in the Spirit. We've drank water that nourishes our soul. There's been deliverance. There's been healing. There's refreshing. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless this people, I pray. Strengthen each family. Encourage them. Let them walk in the power of your mind as they commit to the holy pursuit of your glory. And the church said, Amen. 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 The Lord bless you.